Welcome back, everyone. This is my name is Rebecca Kokenderfer. I am the host for this event, and this is Homeschool.com's 2007 Winter Homeschooling Teleconference. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be speaking with Gail DiGiulio, who is the chief funster of Simply Fun. Uh, Gail is the inspiration behind Simply Fun, the first to market party plan company offering original tabletop games, puzzles, and other fun activity-based play learning and entertainment products. Her passion is to provide the importance of play as a way to bring family and friends together. The company's mission is to promote the importance of play to create lifelong memories and enhance the quality of people's lives. Simply Fun products are sold exclusively by a growing sales force of independent consultants nationwide. So we're going to be talking today with Gail about how to make our homeschooling more fun because um, nobody wants any tears especially now mid-year and sometimes we have the winter doldrums. And so uh, Gail is going to give us some great ideas on how to put more fun and more life into our homeschooling. So welcome, Gail, and thank you very much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. So the first question I have for you is, uh, what is the relationship between play and learning? Is there any science behind this? Sure. There actually has been quite a few studies done, and most recently um, very many studies done. I'll give you an idea. If you think about play and learning, um, can you hear me okay? I wasn't sure if we got cut off. Yes, I can. Thanks. Oh, good. Okay, thank you very much. If you think about play and learning, uh, psychologists and development experts have been doing research on play and on games in particular, and not that they're only just fun, but they also have some therapeutic re- um, research behind them. Scientists, neuro- neurologists, developmental biologists have all been looking at this and trying to determine how it has a profound effect on the biological process. And I'll give you an example. If you think about, in particular in today's age, with so many types of um, anxieties that a, um, a child can have through attention deficit disorder, depression, anxiety, and all of the demands on parents and adults, play, in particular the games, can help both children and adults achieve better physical and mental health. What they do is that it's a way for them to be able to communicate. So, for example, when you're playing a game, you can do that in a very non-threatening way to communicate how you're feeling, and you can process those feelings. As well, if you think about playing games, as in life, there are rules that are part of your social development, and these rules that when you're playing a game help you to define those social boundaries on how to succeed. And by by having those kinds of experiences, it allows you to be able to reduce your stress and even lower your blood pressure and even counteract depression. So there has been quite a bit of research done on how play and in particular games helps you. That's excellent. I've heard you quote Plato before. Uh, Mm -hmm. He said that you can learn more about a person in an hour of play than a year of conversation. Can you elaborate upon this? Sure. Well, if you think about that, when you're sitting down one-on-one across a table with somebody and you're playing a game, you learn a lot about them. You learn about if they're competitive or cooperative. You learn if they like to share, um, how to win and lose gracefully. You understand risk is a reward and much more. And it's something that whether you're three or a 103, it gives you an opportunity to really remember that in life, these are things that come up. You have rules that you have to maintain. And it gives you an opportunity to make sure that you as a person can know those boundaries and really understand what makes another person who they are, both uh, personally and um, physically. What learning benefits do traditional games, puzzles, and activity-based products have in a homeschool environment? Sure. If you look at um, at homeschool, um, and uh, my children um, had started being homeschooled when they were younger, and now they're in uh, in a mainstream school. If you um, if you think about games in particular, children enjoy board games as early as three years old, and it teaches them a variety of things. The first thing that it teaches them is how to match shapes, colors, or characters, and also it teaches them math and literacy skills. If you look at some of the games, for example, some of our games, you're having to figure out probability of odds. You're having to figure out um, the the um, the the play pattern. You're having to figure out how rules would move forward. And it just makes a, um, a, a very, very, very big difference. It also 
what it allows you to be able to do in a homeschool environment, what I think, is that it teaches visual and perceptional skills, spatial and shape relationships, the notion of, for example, in a puzzle, making up the pieces and putting them into a whole. It enhances manual dexterity and eye coordination. And then as children get older, they can use some of the sophisticated thinking skills that they have to incorporate that into a homeschool environment so that they can exercise their number, letter, and word knowledge in literacy-based games. And they can also look at the cognitive skills that they're looking at with challenging games that require them to develop planning and strategy and persistence and the critical thinking skills. Um, we're talking about traditional games. You're thinking even um, Monopoly or Masterpiece. Or Absolutely. Travel. I mean, if you think about the traditional games that were on the market, um, if you think about a game that is... Um, Hi Ho Cheerios or Hi Ho Cherio, that was one of my favorite games that had the little cherries that you'd put into a bucket. You're figuring out how to be able to count what the probability of odds are that something is going to, that there's going to be enough left for you to be able to put on your tree. We have a game called Walk the Dogs, which is one of our more popular games. And there are 63 dogs in the game. There are seven uh, different breeds, nine of each. And what you're doing is, is you're building a Congo line and drawing cards so that you are pulling dogs from the front of the back of the line in front of you in order to be able to score points. Well, there's a lot of sophisticated reasoning. A child is looking at that and an adult and is having to figure out what are the odds that when the um, gameplay comes around to me that I will get the dog that I want. How many points does my other, the other people I'm playing with have? What are the odds that when I draw a card, I'm going to get what I want in order to be able to move something around? So there is quite a bit of um, upper reasoning going on when you're playing game, putting together a puzzle, um, even as simple as playing uh, bridge or hearts. You can also have the, the educational benefits and the social benefits. Last uh, January, during our winter teleconference, I interviewed Stephen Covey, the mm-hmm. author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. And he was walking us through how to create a mission statement and was talking about um, how important and beneficial it is to have a family game night. Mm-hmm. So uh, I worked with you know, my husband. And I worked with our children. We came up with a you know like a mission statement, a family mission statement. And one of their favorite things was this uh, family game night. So every Tuesday night, so I, I noticed that we tend to really focus on one game at a time. They don't seem to need the variety. Uh-huh. Now everybody's crazy about Uno. That's right. So every uh, Tuesday we're playing Uno. And then also, uh, like my husband really likes family dinners, and sometimes that's kind of pulling teeth because I've got teenagers to get everybody at the table at the same time. So, um, you know, we've kind of let up about the the manners, and we play uh, cards at the table while we're having dinner together. And it's just, it, like you said, it's kind of brought the whole um, family together and, and some really nice memories. It really does. One of the things that we do is that and you talk about mission, and I think that's a very important thing to bring up. Our mission at Simply Fun is to promote the importance of play and enhance the quality of people's lives. And people always say, well, what does that mean? And if you think about it, everyone loves to have fun, right? Yeah. I mean, in the United States, we alone spend billions of dollars each year on recreation and family entertainment, and we derive fun through play. And play should be relaxing and should be energizing. And, you know, the mission statement actually came out of when we started the company. I have two children, and I felt like we never had enough time to just simply play because we're so overscheduled. Yeah. And we wanted, I wanted to have the special time to create a meaningful play and memorable experience in my family and in my children that will last a lifetime and would be passed on from generation to generation. And I played games when I was younger. But what I found was was that I couldn't find the variety and innovation of the tabletop games that were available in the marketplace because what I find today is is that either the rules were too difficult or the game itself took hours to play, right? Right. So I can explain to you Monopoly in, in, in two minutes, but the game is going on from Thanksgiving to Christmas. <laughs> and so what um, that was the, the really the impetus for uh, Simply Fun. And what we talk about in our mission statement is that we want for both children and adults to be able to really think about how play can really make a difference in their lives because it can help shape your experiences. And we actually have what we call our prescription for play. It comes in each one of our games, and it tells you to turn off the TV and to spend time with your family just down and sitting down and playing. And we talk about that you should, each month, you should set aside one evening or daytime, whatever works in your family, like you've done, 
to play a game or put together a puzzle or do something recreational. And what we tell people is it's five easy steps, and you can actually go to our website, um, simplyfun.com, and you can look right at this. And we tell you this is a five easy steps to build a tradition and what I call a lifelong learning um, passion. Number one is to make a firm commitment so that you make a commitment that this is going to be the evening or the day when you're going to block out even just an hour to be able just to sit down, clear your schedules, take away the noise, um, put away the Xbox and think outside the box. And everyone will anticipate it during the week. And now you mark it on your calendar. And then what you do is each week someone in the family gets to choose what you're going to do during that time. So it could be playing a game or putting together a puzzle or going outside and playing croquet, whatever that person wants to do, and regardless of the age. And you turn off all of the noise and the distractions. And even if you're on the road, if you're on vacation, you can still take something with you. And then pick something simple to learn and fun to play that you really enjoy and have just a great time and make sure you record it. I think that's a really important thing. In each one of our games at Simply Fun, we have something called a fun memories booklet. And what we tell you to do is snap a picture of yourself. That's a good idea. I haven't tried that. It's very important. And then inside of it, it gives a game log. And then on the other pages, we have, um, depending on the game, it lists the feature of the game, um, the person who had the most creative answer or the person who got the most points. And we make sure we record it every single time. And that is really important. My father is 78, and he lives with us. And he's not going to live forever. And when my father finally does pass on, when we pull out that favorite game, we can look back and say, oh, gosh, do you remember when Papa said this in a game? Or do you remember when Papa answered it this way? And so, and you can pass that game on for generations and generations and look back on what a big difference it made in your family and just have those memories built back up. Well, I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah, on our Tuesday night is our game night, and we've modeled it for our children because my husband and I, we stop everything. You know, exactly we, right. We work, and we, you know, we come, for us, we work in a home office, but we come upstairs, and, you know, and the kids, we notice that their friends have started to come around on Tuesday nights. <laughs> you know, we have a little special treat during game night, and we really do. We just kind of stop the clock, and where the kids know that they're important, they're number one, our family is number one during that time. We don't have the community gathering places we used to, and I think that being homeschool, you have a unique opportunity. Um, I live in a home, a neighborhood with about 300 homes, and, and I really didn't know many of my neighbors, and we always put this aside on Sunday night That's um, when we do it, and our neighbor across the street had come over to borrow something, and he came over and we were playing a game called Eye to Eye, and one of the questions was, name your three um, favorite uh, brands of ice cream. And so we were each writing them down, and, and then we compare to see um, uh, you get points based on if you've matched other people. And so while he was waiting, he saw us laughing, and now he just conveniently happens to come by at 7 o'clock on Sunday nights. Yeah. And he, he's become part of our quote-unquote family. And that's really what happens is, is that you can create and extend your family and your friends into something that, becomes, um, that you're anticipating, and you can actually have an effect on other people's lives as well. And, you know, when my children were young, we spent all day together, you know, and, and even having meals, we, all three meals we were together, it just wasn't, we didn't have to work that hard for it. But now two of the three kids are teens, and they're so busy with their activities and, you know, dance company and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's, it's a rare and beautiful thing that we're all together on that one night. Exactly right. You, know, you mentioned, you know, thinking out of the box. <laughs> so much focus of today's recreation is the video games, you know, the Xbox and the PS2s. So I mean, how do you how do you feel about that? I mean, I mean, there are benefits to this recreation, but I mean, I, you know, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about having a non-video environment in your home? Well, it's interesting that that you bring that up about um, video games and how video games affect things. Uh, in my home, one of my challenges was was I was always feeling like I was competing against those particular types of items in the house. We have a we had a TV that we watched commercial TV, and we really didn't watch it very often. But I found that I was always trying to to my kids wanted to watch something, and I was using that as a lever to get them to do something. And that's not really what I wanted those those entertainment devices to be. And they really are entertainment devices. And so one of the things that we've done, and, and it's made a huge difference in our home, and I'm sure many of the people that are listening uh, to this call um, probably have similar types of rules in their homes, is we actually don't watch commercial TV in our home. And the computer is, a, is, is just like a guest 
in our home. And that computer is used for information and not for anything having to do with entertainment and we don't have um, the PlayStations or anything else. What I found is is that when I first did that, it was, what are we going to do? There's nothing to do. And when we started instituting this game evening, it has made a huge difference in our family and in other people's families because people start realizing, in particular children, how much fun it is just to get together and laugh. And we, in particular, have designed our games that there is um, always a, I wouldn't call it cooperative, but there's an opportunity for everyone that's always participating in the games. And that makes it so much fun because when you hear your children at the very end say, that was great, can we play again? They're not focused on what the end result was, if they won or not. They're focused on the fact that they had a really good time playing. And that's what the most important thing is because they're seeing some just, they're seeing their parents acting goofy and laughing, uh, and they're seeing their, their own siblings in a whole different light. So I think that one of the things that's important is, is to moderate those types of devices in your home, which obviously have a place, but that really, if you want your kids to think outside the box and really be creative, the way they're going to do that is if they have more unstructured um, time and activities that they can just purely play, and they're realizing that, for example, the things they're playing with are something that they can do themselves, like designing their own game. I've noticed that um, our children's friends, a lot of times, they'll go home to their families, too, and say, can we have a family game night? Can we have family dinners? So, so maybe we're kind of you know, making a trend and kind of <laughs> and being a good influence on other families as well. That's exactly right. So what would you recommend to a homeschool parent to involve all their children at various ages in play together? Well, the first thing I think is what you're talking about is if each week someone gets to pick something and you have a, a very defined time, the great part about that is that each child has an opportunity to expose their siblings to uh, something else that's new and different. Uh, the second thing I would say is is that uh, that if you look at those kinds of activities, play activities, board game, party game, puzzles, um, even puppet theater play, that uh, whether they're they're three or 13 or six or 43 or 93, they can all sit down together and interact and keep their minds busy. And we've been playing charades lately, too, and the kids are having a very good time with that. That's exactly right. See, um, I'll give you, so I'll give you some um, ideas. If you're playing with more than one child, um, divide the family up into groups and give each player a job that he or she can do. Like a younger child can be responsible for rolling the dice um, if they're too young to potentially play a game that the older child's picked. Um, which, you know, he considers important since that is where the, you know, the luck comes from. And, and an older child, for example, may be sorting out money or cards because um, children kind of adapt themselves and um, the simpler things are actually, even if they're older, the more fun that they can actually have in them. Do you think that board games are better than, say, card games? You know, I think that each one has a place and a purpose. I think that uh, it depends on, first of all, your family. I know people that, I'll give you an example, a bridge, that um, you could have one family that loves to play bridge and someone else who doesn't. I think you need to look at your own family and see, number one, what are the things that they like to do, and number two, what are the things that you're also trying to teach them. I think in a homeschool environment, for example, board games have distinct boundaries, if you think about that, even to the, you look at the boundaries of the board, right? And if you look at living, it's a very, you know, in a complex society, for example, children need clear limits to feel safe. And by, you know, subscribing to the playing field, like a playing area, board games can help them weave their kind of their right and left brain into a more organized, mature, and kind of socially acceptable personality as they're developing their, their, their early skills. Card games are an example where um, they're a little bit um, more free flow. You can have a fun game. We have a game called Sneaks which has some reminiscence uh, of um, spoons where um, you have sneakers in the middle, and it's, it's one of our um, favorite games. It was voted by Parenting Magazine as one of their top um, picks for 2006. And you have sneakers in the middle, but you put in one less than the players that are there, and you quickly pass cards around to each other, and when you end up with four of a kind of the same, you pull one sneaker and everybody else grabs a sneaker. Well, that game is about quick recognition, and if you have a child or a family that um, prefers a slower pace, that might not be something that's enjoyable, but it's also a very good way to be able to learn the skill of quick recognition and of um, 
being able to um, uh, recognize numbers as they fly by versus a game that is maybe more like Oh, gin, that gin rummy that has um, a slower gameplay, but you're also trying to figure out the probability of odds that you're going to grab something. So I think that if you if you look at them, there's a place for each one of them, and you as your family, I think variety is something that is really fun. Um, that's one of the reasons we did do home parties is because people get to experience these different products and decide which ones they think their family would like, and then they can take those products and incorporate them into their family time. You know, I noticed that games um, have been good in our family, too, for recognizing each person's unique strength. Mm -hmm. There are the quick starts. So, I mean, if you want a fast answer, I'm your guy. Right. But if you want an accurate answer, (laughs) you would go to my son. So they've noticed, and we've all kind of noticed that on the fast draw games, certain of us are very, very good. Mm -hmm. You know, and on the kind of thinking and strategy and perhaps even more, more correct, others are good. And that's been very nice, too, for, you know, recognizing each other's uniqueness, not only in the family, but in society at large. And that that there's a kind of a a place and a benefit to having all different kinds of people. I I would agree with you 100%. You know, uh, uh, people always ask me, this is one of the questions we get asked a lot, is is that... um, if you think about, you know, games, which is your favorite game or, you know, um, how many hours should we devote? You asked me that a few minutes earlier, right? And um, and what I tell people is is that, you know, it, it's less about what you're doing. It's more about that you're doing it. Uh, you know, the ultimate gift you can give your family is your time. That's what they want. You know, when children um, are asked what they want more of, you know, they may say, oh, I want more candy or I want more of... Um, uh, of tennis shoes or something else, but what they really want is more time with you. And it, it, it's something that, you know, you think about it, you have a very short amount of time that you have with your children until they go off to, as adults to do something themselves. And, and you want them to look forward to that special family time. And, you know, when you've got, to me, when you have an opportunity to be together with no immediate goal in mind except for purely just spending the time together and enjoying themselves, you develop a healthy relationship with your children, and that is promoting learning. Yes. And it, it, you know, especially as a parent, you, you want your kids to take pleasure in you, but you also want them to take pleasure in life. And when you're when you're playing with them, they're listening to you, and you're listening to them, and. There is nothing that bolsters a child's self-esteem more than to have their parent listening to them. And, and so you're, you're important. This ex- exactly. One. Exactly. And playing games, to me, in my family, playing games is an easy and it's just an excellent way to spend kind of unhurried, enjoyable time together that are rich in learning opportunities, um, you know, and, and they are satisfying you know, their competitive urges, cooperation, collaboration, they're mastering new skills, but the most important thing is, is they're spending time with you, and they're going back and saying, you know, what did you do last night? Oh, I was playing this game called Uga with my mom and dad that has suction cup spears, and my dad put it down on the table, and he couldn't get it up, and we were all laughing because we were all grabbing pieces. You know, those are things they're going to remember and tell themselves. They're going to tell other people, and um, they're going to remember to tell their grandkids. It's nice. I'm thinking, too, when the weather gets good, too, we can start doing mini golf or going bowling or, you know, kind of doing those kind of fun mm-hmm. outside-the-house activities, too. Exactly. So you would mentioned, you know, uh, the amount of time to spend on play. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much time do you specifically recommend we set aside to reconnect and just have fun? Is there a set formula for that? Well, we actually have, and we tell people to set aside 30 minutes a week to just sit down and play. And, and we figure if they start with a week, we can maybe move up to a day. But we'll take a week to begin with. And so we, we um, as I said, we have this formula on our site that goes through and talks about how to set that up. But really, you know, in, in the scheme of all things, um, what I, w- I would love to see our, as a society that we do is it seems like when I was growing up and I'm 48 that I had much more time, free time on my hands. I just don't remember all the structured activities. And I remember in the evening, you know, you take your shower and you sit down and you're sitting on the porch. I grew up in Arizona, so you were either outside or inside with the air conditioning. And you were, you you know, my parents were playing a card game or or we were playing in the backyard. But just if you can set aside at least that those 30 minutes a week and commit to that and just 
put everything aside and at least just spend that playing. I'm sure you play more than that, but that's the devoted time. And you can work yourself up to just 30 minutes, you know, a day. And I know it sounds really hard. The best time to do that is really in the evening before the kids go to bed if they have time because if they've taken their showers, they've got their homework done, um, it gives them an opportunity to relax and spend 30 minutes just sitting down and playing together and then maybe give them 15 minutes before they go to bed to read. Uh, my kids are told that they can stay up 15 minutes later than um, bedtime if they read. And so they have to read something, and we all read. If you can set that up as a tradition, uh, I think that's a good way to start to get you going in the right direction. I know it's our own family, too. We don't police the time. You know, sometimes 30 minutes is the only interest we have, and other times it may be two hours. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we set the time and say, no, we've got 10 minutes left, sit down. <laughs> so, we, you know, it's, like you said, it's not a strict time. Exactly. You know, we all want our children to be life, lifelong learners, um, do you think that this fun play will help us with that? Oh, absolutely. And um, um, one of the things you had asked me before um, when we talked, Rebecca, last week was, you know, how you can make your own board game. Oh, yes, please. And, and we talked about lifelong lear- learners, and so I'm going to kind of incorporate the two together. If you think about it, I tell you that, you know, to be a lifelong learner, you have to have a the passion for learning. We always talk about this, and and it has to be something that you derive both personal satisfaction and enjoyment from and also some knowledge from. And uh, the example I was going to give you was was, uh, my son is a lifelong learner, and I always try to make something that he particularly doesn't think is going to be fun into something that's fun, and he's also learned from it. So I'll give you a a few examples. One of the examples is is that um, we have a map up in our house, and we are now – we put – a pin in the map on every place that we go that we can, um, that we've either been to or visited, and then we have a white flag on every place we want to go. And so we're getting ready to plan our vacation, and I told the kids that they need to do some research, went to the library about different places to go and put it in a box, and then they can present why they think we should go there and what the budget should be and how much it will cost us to go and, and when's the right time of year. And it's been a great exercise for them because they're learning about geography and about uh, money and about timing and about weather as a means to be able to um, develop that passion because even if we can't go to some places, which we can't go to many of them, physically they are now, they've now been there in their mind. And a good example of, of what happened with my son was, was that he was told that he needed to research our family history and tell how he ended up in Bellevue, Washington, where we live. And he needed to research all the way back from from where his mom and dad came from and then where his parents came, their parents came from and their parents to basically map it. And we decided um, to make it, and he had to present it in a fun way, so we decided to make it into a game. And uh, it was wonderful for him because he had to use logical thinking and reasoning. He had to use his verbal presentation skills because he um, needed to be able to present the content and then explain how the game was played. And so what we did was his particular focus was on this idea of, of a family tree. And he went back and researched back that where my parents came from in France and Russia and England and how they got to the United States and from Canada. And went, we ended up with about, gosh, I think seven or eight different countries going all the way back as far as we could and then about a dozen states. And then what he did was was he went ahead and he created cards that talked a little bit about each one of those locations and what happened and made it into a board game. Yes, which was really fun for the kids. And so you would ask me about that. And the well, first step... create the markers and how did he draw out the, the bottom board? Right. The first thing I tell you is, is that um, making a board game is so educational for kids. We have a take your, mother, um, your daughter or son to work day. We have several of the, of the coworkers here that, you know, bring kids in. And so what we do is we pick a subject and make the focus of whatever they're going to be making as far as a game, narrow enough that they can truly focus on a topic. So, for example, if you were teaching American history, it might be too broad, but if you taught the Revolutionary War, it might be more manageable. And the most important part of designing their game is the learning objectives. So I don't know if if, um, you use a rubrics or a checklist, but a checklist to incorporate, we want you to demonstrate these three main learning objectives in the game. And then what you do is you give them a box of raw materials. And... 
I'm talking about anything you have in your house. You don't have to go out and buy anything. You know, an old deck of cards that can be written on with a Sharpie. If you've got chess or check- checkers that can be made into pawns, toilet paper rolls, <laughs> I'm, you know, old ribbons, you name it. Anything that you have in the house that you think would be incorporated into gameplay or game pieces and you can, I, trust me, your kids will turn things into amazing pieces that you won't believe. So the bottom and, of your game board isn't necessarily flat. It's all, it sounds like it can almost be like a diorama then. Well, here's a good example. We define it as adults flat, right? Yeah. But children don't define that. And, if, and let them define it any way you want. What we do here at the offices, so when we have this happen, and we do in schools, we'll go visit schools, we'll say, okay, here is a box of raw materials, and our topic is going to be about... Um, the Revolutionary War, let's say they're learning that. And we want you to take these raw materials and make them into a game that teaches the following things, A, B, C, and D. And so what happens is is that they, you give them a time limit and you um, can suggest to them depending on how old they are. If they're younger, you can be a little bit more structured and say, so we need one person who's going to do the rules, who's going to do that? Okay, so you're going to write the rules. And we're going to have another person who's going to be responsible for um, creating the pieces. We're going to have another person that's going to be responsible for um, presenting it. Or if you're an, an older group, you can let that be part of the learning experience because part of learning is figuring out um, who is going to be responsible for what. And then once they finish the game is to have them play the game with you and then go back and say, these are the things that I've learned from that. So, for example, if they were doing the Revolutionary War, they may decide they're going to do cards like chance cards, and each one may have something that teaches you something about the war. But the most important thing I'd say is that once you've gotten that created, it's really important to play it because um, the people that have created that, your children, have taken great pride in designing this. And they will take even greater pride in teaching the game to anyone who will play. And then play it often because this will be an experience they will treasure for a lifetime. They will remember the fact that more that you sat down and played it with them than if um, than what they actually created. One of the things I just talked about I think is a great way to start if you don't have a particular subject in mind is to use a family tree because what you're teaching them is geography. You're teaching them about uh different locales, you're teaching them about how much time it might have taken during that time, what the what may have been the circumstances, boat, plane, car. There's all different things that you can teach as part of that. And then you also have it as a living family history that they can pass on, and now you've got your own game as well. You know, in fact, years ago, I uh, created a Kokander for Family trivia game. <laughs> a what? It was uh, my last name was Kokenderfer. Oh, <laughs> it was a Christmas gifts for everyone. I made these. Um, it was a Kokenderfer family trivia, and I printed out like uh, pictures of each person's head, and those became the uh, markers. Mm-hmm. I kind of put them on a piece of paper and bent it over, and kind of taped it up. And then I made the game board, and I made up these little trivia cards. And every time they could answer a trivia question correctly, and it had to be about our, you know, like family, our extended family, their likes, their dislikes, where they went to school, how many kids they have. I mean, it was really oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was a really good um, Christmas gift. It was really fun. It's so personal too. You know, I interviewed uh, an expert on unit studies a couple of years ago too, Valerie Bent, mm-hmm. and she said she uses games a lot too. Like one time, there, her family had done a whole unit studies about. Um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that mm-hmm. whole series. And they learned about the author, and they read the books, and then they did the same team. They made up trivia cards, and they uh, printed out the picture of each character, and they glued that onto paper, and those became the little markers, the pieces that move around the board. Well, you know, if you, if you think about it, um, I think a lot of times in our culture we don't, we, we haven't played games. In Europe, for example, they sell more board games in Germany than they do video games. And, for example, another interesting point is in France, they do not have libraries where you can check out books, but they do have game libraries where you can check out games. No kidding. Yes, it's considered a mainstream form of entertainment. And I think in the United States, the reason that we haven't seen that level of interest or is because, frankly, quality games and other you know, quality play products are disappearing. You used to be able to go to your neighborhood specialty store, right, or your neighborhood um, toy and game store. And there were all kinds of interesting products that 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 you could just find that were different and that were also had a lot of education in them and a lot of it were educational based but what's happened is is that in the United States the large mass market manufacturers you know they're not they are not very <laughs> frankly innovative 
and they don't really have an incentive to want to make very innovative products, and they continue to market the same perennial products. Uh, Monopoly is a great game for teaching commerce, but but there are now uh, 200 different versions of Monopoly, and you know it's simply fun. What we wanted to look at was, and this was a very important goal to the company and to myself, was we went and sought out designers who develop. I would say games and puzzles, but mostly games that are are innovative and original and that incorporated all the family together and adults together. But we made it very specific that we wanted the rules to be learned in one to three minutes and the game could be finished in 30 minutes because most people don't buy something new because they have to spend 20 minutes learning that. And then by the time they finish learning it, they don't want to play it. Exactly. They're tired. It's just too hard. Exactly. You know, when I was a kid, we played the Masterpiece game, and that was my only exposure to um, famous works of art. Mm-hmm. Do you, what about you know, competition versus cooperation? Do, at Simply Fun, do you have any of these cooperative games? Well, it depends how you define cooperative, but all of our games, and we call them, they're done more in the European style than they are in the U.S. style of game. Most U.S. style games are you roll the dice, you go around the board, and the first one there wins. If you look at more European-style games, there's more strategy involved to them. And we have games that I would call them, they're, they're both cooperative and competitive in a different kind of format. And I'll give you an example. We have a game called Sudoku Challenge. It was developed by a very famous game designer in Europe. Game designers in Europe are like celebrities are here in the United States. People will go to large game conventions and stand in line to have them even sign their boxes. Oh, really? Yes, very, very prolific there. And Reiner, Dr. Reiner Knizia, who has a Ph.D. in mathematics, he's done over 200 games. He's won Game of the Year several years in Europe. And um, he had come up with Sudoku, where Sudoku is a very singular um, uh uh, puzzle. And in our game of Sudoku or Sudoku, what happens is that each person takes a tile and puts it on the game board. And it's the same rules that Sudoku applies that you can't have the same number in the nine square block in a vertical or in a horizontal. And what happens is, is that each time that you lay down a tile, you will count up the number of tiles in a certain area and then you move your pawn around the board. Well, of course, the goal at the end is to see who has the most points, right? But when most people play it, it's more about the fact of trying to see how many of the tiles you can get in the board, right? Because you're never going to get them all on because it's a choice of randomness. The point I'm making is is that even though there is an outcome in the game to be, at the end, one person will end up winning, um, people that have played this game, and most of our games in our line, people don't come back and say, I won, that's great. What they say is, that was really great. Um, people help other people. You sure you want to place it there? You sure you don't want to take place it here? And so um, cooperative games in the United States have always been thought of you're all together, working together to, um, let's say, beat the game. And in our particular line, for example, all of our products are all about you can work together to help each other. And the second thing that happens in a cooperative game is that uh, everyone's participating. And so in our games, it tends to be it's turn-based. I take my turn, then somebody else does, and when the other four or five players are waiting, they can't do anything. And in our games, those don't happen. There's always a decision-making process to happen. Uh, we have a game called Simply Catan, which is a strategy game that you are um, bartering and for um, and um, purchasing roads and settlements in, um, in cities or resources of the land in order to be able to build roads, settlements, and cities so that you can um, get to a certain number of points. But during the game, every single person is involved, and that is one of the things that um, is really, really great, that every single person is involved in the gameplay and has a decision to make while that person has their turn. And I think that is a great thing to do because then no one feels the victim in the game. Everyone has an opportunity to feel like they had some des- some choice in, um, over what their final outcome is. You're right. Otherwise, there's an awful mm-hmm. lot of dead time if you're waiting. Right. And it's just, I mean, one of the things our, our consultants, um, Simply Fun is a party plan company, so they're all independent business owners. And we have a, a significant number of our business owners that are both um, homeschool um, moms and dads and our customers that are homeschool moms and dads. And what happens is our consultant will sit down and say to the host, what kind of 
um, activities do you like or your family likes or does the um, guest like? And then they'll demonstrate those kinds of products. And so I think that is something that gives you an opportunity to be able to figure out, you know, what how the co- cooperative play is being played and if that works in your family. What are some of your uh, favorite games that you have? Oh, sure. Well, I always say that my favorite game is the one I haven't played because, and I have an advantage. We actually have here at the office, you know, we get submittals of all kinds of um, games from all over the round, around the world. And um, we um, we have the pleasure of being able to look at those. So on Wednesdays, uh, matter of fact, and this, today is Wednesday, and right after this, we, from 4 to 6 o'clock, we play games in our office. And we have a great time. So I get to see, so, I get to see so many different things and then we take them out to our customers and test them and, and, or a puzzle or we're naming our puppets. And, um, I'd say that one of my favorite games is Eye to Eye. And, uh, the reason I like it is because anybody can play at any age. And even if you can't write, you can sit on grandpa's lap or grandma's lap or mom and dad's and you can write the answer. But what I love about it is, is it's a very, very simple game to play where, um, you draw a category card and it might say, name three things on a playground. And everybody will write down three things that they think at least someone else in the group will at least say. And then you collect cubes if you don't match somebody. And I love it because I learned so much about my kids. The second game that I really like is this walk the dog games. And the reason I like walk the dog is my, you know, people say to us, do you ha- what's your favorite kids game? And I'll say, it's walk the dogs. And they'll say, what's your favorite family game? It's walk the dogs. <laughs> what's your favorite adult game? It's walk the dogs. And the reason is, is because anybody likes it at any age because there's these cute 63 dogs, which makes the game fun, but there is a lot of strategic thinking in it. I tend to like games that have a little bit more strategy in them. So that is just so much fun to watch, you know, a six-year-old, a 12-year-old, you know, a teenager, um, um, somebody in their late 20s and my dad sitting down playing this game and just having a ball doing it, but also trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to be able to collect a certain dog breed. So that's one of my favorites as well, and it, 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 it's just a lot of fun. Your children are lucky you own a game company. You know, it's really funny, and, and sometimes my kids will say, I'll come home to them and I'll say, guys, I've got something new I want to try, and they'll go, oh, no, do we have to play? It's really, you know, and, and even my kids do that. They get game fatigue, and um, and I'll say, them, well, can you just try it for just five minutes, I promise, and the next thing I know, 30 minutes have gone by, and do we have to stop? Do we have to stop? And that's one of the things that, um, you know, we um, – we really, it was one of the deliberate reasons we also did a party plan model was because when you walk into a store and you see something on the shelf, you don't know what that is. And you get it home, as we said, and you start to read the rules and you say, oh my gosh, this looks so complicated. And what, the reason we wanted to start this business was because it allowed somebody to be able to come to your home and sit down and say, here, you can try all these different products. You can try before you buy, and you can really have a good time doing it and, um, and make a little bit of extra money at the same time. <laughs> so you were a, a homeschooling mom, and then you started Simply Fun. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how did you get started? Uh, well, um, I think I told you a little bit about how I started the company, right, with um, um, that I just was looking for something for my kids because I couldn't find them, and I decided I was going to go ahead and do this. Um, when um, when I got started with the company, you know, I think and we decided we were going to go ahead and do this. We went out to game designers all over the world, and we got five games that we thought would be just great for all ages. And we put those prototypes together, and then we went and tested them on our friends and family. And what we'd hear every single time was, this is so much fun. I am having such a good time. Where can I buy this game? Or, um, you know, I'd love to be able to sell these games and make extra money. You know, how are you going to sell them? So that was the first thing when we said, gosh, we've got something here. And then we went out, and as, you know, you do, we, we got family and friends to, to contribute, you know, financially to help us get going. And then we brought our family and friends together and said, this is what we're doing. I knew a lot of people, and so did um, our founders, um, co-founders, Matt Mullen and Jeremy Young, that were um, either homeschool mom and dads or were parents that one parent had chosen that they wanted to stay home and um, and be there for their children and not have a job outside the home that had committed hours. And they wanted the flexibility to be able to do that, but they also, because we live in a two-income society, wanted the opportunity to be able to contribute to the household financially, right? 
So that was really the impetus for the company was to create something that had quality products that we knew people would enjoy to joy and that they could be demonstrated in the home, and then to create a business that people could choose the hours they want to work, how they want to do it, when they want to do it, um, and be able to really have an income from that. So we we started to go out, and, and those people started to throw parties, and when they're at a party, naturally what most people will say to them is, is how did you get started? They talk about how they got started, and and um, it's it's a great opportunity for you not only to learn wonderful products, but also to make a little bit of additional income. So that's really how the company got started um, two years ago. That's, that's congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a nice story. You know, when people ask me a lot of times, they'll say, "Well, what are you know so many advantages to homeschooling? What are the disadvantages?" And they say, "Oh, is it socialization?" I'm like, "No, it's <laughs> right." One of the big advantages is it academics? No, no, people don't even ask that anymore. But really, it's, I see it as finances. Because like you said, we live in a two-income world, and it can be pretty tough for one parent to stay home, you know, full or part-time, you know, and, and kind of lose that income. That's one of the biggest challenges, I think, about homeschooling. Well, it really is. And one of the things I found, too, was, was that, and we have about 10% of our consultants, we call them consultants, but you're really a business owner, is a um, are either couples or uh, men, and then the rest um, are women. And what I found was, was that... Um, when you have an opportunity to be able to do something that you love, and let's say that it's whatever it is, you have a passion for that. And we really believed that if, if, if you're able to do something that you love to do and you've got the people that are there to do it with, um, it makes it fun. And that's one of the reasons that we, we really started as a home-based business because there is, I, I think, a hearkening back for people to have one parent not working outside the home. And uh, home-based business is great because you're really the CEO of your own company. You get to pick your hours that you work. You, we, we tell our consultants to do, actually, is we say take your calendar, and the first thing you should do is block off every kind of commitment that you have with your family. If you have commitment to your church or other religious organization or something else you volunteer, if you're going to be out of town, block out all the personal things you have and then see what you have left. And those are nights that you can or days you can hold a party or a fundraiser. We do a lot of fundraisers for schools. And what you can do is, from there, now put down the days that you want to be able to hold parties and talk to your friends and family. And, you know, you have an opportunity to take quality and innovative types of games and puzzles and play products to people. You get to meet fun people. A lot of our um, our parents will bring um, their kids with because their kids are more enthusiastic about being able to show things a lot of times. And they get not only the financial benefit because they can figure out how many days they want to work and how much income they want to take it in, but I also think it's it, it's personally rewarding because you have an opportunity to be part of an extended community that shares what you talked about from the very beginning, which is mission. We're a very mission-based company. We believe in the fact that, you know, we really want to promote this importance of play and, and bring families together, like that used to be around the dinner table, back around some kind of activity that allows everyone to participate in a way that they feel good about themselves and creates lasting memories. And so by by creating this kind of a, an opportunity, the whole family can be involved. You get your, you know, your kit. You can learn the, the products. You can learn your games. Um, they can um, test the new ones coming in. And it involves the whole family, but you also have this identity within that community of other um, business owners that are with you to be able to um, help grow your business and potentially earn some fun rewards along the way. What is your web address again? It's www.simplyfun.com. It's, it's very easy. It's simplyfun.com, S-I-M-P-L-Y-F-U-N.com. is actually named by my kids. And uh, it's, um, it's very easy to go there. You can go into About Us, and it can tell you about how to be able to structure your own family evening and build up your own tradition. I'm also going to uh, be able to tell you that by the end of this week, we'll have uh, something called simplyfun.com backslash playtimes, P-L-A-Y-T-I-M-E-S, and it's going to have that information that we talked about, how to build your own board game activity, and it's going to have information about the health benefits of um, games and puzzles, and we have a great puppet line, for example, that we put together because we found that people, you know, are, there's not as much opportunity for kids to be able to play with puppets when they're younger, and it is hugely important for your imagination, and our puppets are like they're plush animals, 
and they're plush animals, but they're also puppets. So it's wonderful. They're, they're stuffed animal friends. They're our Simply Fun Buddies. And they're also um, a puppet that you can, a soft puppet you can um, use to be able to move their arms and their legs and their hands. But um, if you go to simplyfun.com, you'll find all kinds of information, not only about the products that we have and how to build out family time, but also about um, the opportunity, about what it means to be your own business owner. Um, if you have a passion for play and for learning, you can learn about that and how that can be part of your life as well. Well, thank you very much, Gail, for being with us. This oh, you're welcome. I thank you for inviting me. I think we have, we'll have time for one question before we take a break before our next interview. So we've, uh, callers, we've been speaking with Gail DiGiulio of Simply Fun. I'm going to open up the call now so you can speak with her and maybe ask some, you know, for some suggestions on how to design your own games and how to make your homeschooling more fun. So if you do not have a question, please mute out your phone by pressing star six. And if you do have a question, you just press star six and that unmutes you as well. So uh, here we go and feel free to ask your questions to Gail DiGiulio. Thank you, callers. First question, or even any comments, too. In fact, if you have any ideas of your own family game nights or fun things you do in your own homeschooling, this is a perfect opportunity to share them with others. So uh, please, um, don't be shy. You know, When you come forward, it really helps us all. <laughs> it does. It takes courage, though. But remember, we can't see you. You're completely anonymous. You're very safe. <laughs> Hi, I have a question. Yes, please. Um, I, the uh, business concept is is pretty interesting. Gail, can you tell us what these consultants do? You, you mentioned, I think, game parties. Uh, sure. Uh, we, a Simply Fun business owner uh, joins the company. They pay $169 for a kit plus tax. They don't have to take on any inventory or there's no credit card fees. They get a free website. And what they do is they get video and training information and um, they get all kinds of materials, um, both hard copy and, um, and on our back office. And they can go out and throw parties. It's really fun. You go to someone's home, you uh, throw a Simply Fun party. Everyone can participate. You can do family parties or couple parties, friends parties. We have a lot of people that will do a party at their church for a fundraiser to raise it for a mission or raise it for a new um, a gathering, um, for a new building. Um, we have people that do school fundraisers. And what you get to do is you get to experience the products firsthand, the, the the guest does and the host and the consultant makes anywhere between 25 to 42% commission. They just take an order from the party. They go back. They put it into um, the order in online. The product gets shipped to the consultant and that's it. They get to play games for a living. I mean, how fun is that? <laughs> Thanks for the question, whoever gave that. Well, thank you very much. So callers, please stand by. We're going to take a break for... Uh... 